Hello and welcome to Sea Change, a podcast series by the Scottish Fisheries Museum. This podcast asks a selection of the most knowledgeable people their thoughts on the current situations facing our seas and what they think the future looks like. Today I have Rob Kynick with me, which is very exciting. So hopefully we'll have a really fantastic discussion about all things related to the sea. So Rob, um, just to begin with, if you could um, just introduce yourself, tell us a bit about you. Yeah, my name's uh, Rob Kynock uh, and I I'm work at Marine Scotland Science, uh, Marine Laboratory uh, based in Aberdeen. Uh, my job title is uh, Fishing Gear Technologist and I've been doing this job for 33 years now. That's quite a long time. It's a long time, but it's a complicated discipline. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a while to perfect then. Definitely, Absolutely. definitely. Um, so I, I expect that you've spent quite a lot of time at sea in I, your role as well. I have. I started off as an, an assistant scientist and I was at sea pretty much every month for five years. Well, that is a long time. So I think you are the right person to be asking these questions to. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. So our first question for you is just quite a general one. Um, how do you interact with the seas in the role that you, you have? Uh, in terms of my uh, job, I, as I said, I started off as a junior scientist, but obviously that role has evolved. Uh, and now I am the person that advises Marine Scotland on all aspects of the fish capture process. And this includes working closely with the fishing industry uh, to develop uh, bycatch reduction technology. Uh, and also it involves me spending quite a lot at sea, time at sea, developing new nets and uh, experimenting. Uh, and that usually is about 100 days. To 120 days a year right, at sea. Right, that's that's a lot of time it's, in a year. It's a lot of time in a year. Absolutely, and I think what's really interesting is that you're 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 getting both sides of the story. Then you're 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 getting the research element, but also you're getting to speak to to fishermen and yeah, you know, get hands on with the industry as well. Yeah, it's yeah. very much uh, a col- collaboration between ourselves, uh, Marine Scotland Science, and and industry. Yeah. So. It's 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 a nice role. Uh, it's a very much a hands-on role and very practical role. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's probably a, a good thing, isn't it? Get get you out of the office and mm-hmm. getting doing things in, yeah. on, in a practical sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our next question is just about how you go about engaging the public in your work. Yeah, we have a a number of ways. Uh, Marine Scotland engage with the the public. Uh, we have a website uh, which is really accessible. Uh, We also have a blog, which is really nice because it gives people up-to-date information about what trips are going on, what research we're we're actively doing at that moment in time. We also have a a Flickr site, which has lots of cool photographs, uh, and that's uh, really appreciated by uh, kids. They love that, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, We also have a YouTube channel where Mm -hmm. we have a lot of our videos. Uh, We take a lot of underwater uh, footage and... uh, most of that is getting converted and put onto YouTube. Brilliant. So again, it can be uh, very uh, accessible. Also at Marine Scotland Science, uh, we we run a, an ex- work experience program for school kids. Brilliant. Uh, so we have a lot of engagement with uh, school kids and they come in uh, as groups and we have kind of an open day for them, I guess. But also there's an opportunity for individuals to actually come and work for a period of time in the lab. 
uh, and they get uh, a chance to uh, get hands-on on a particular project. Uh, and uh, we also have undergraduate and postgraduate students, uh, and they have the opportunity to come to the lab and uh, gain work experience as well. I think the key thing for us is that you don't really appreciate how many people are coming onto your web site you know the mm, Scotland mm-hmm. science one that's one of the things that uh, in preparation for this one of my colleagues told me that's one of the lo- most looked at sites in Scottish government oh that's brilliant even yeah. more so than the parliament site which really there surprised me that's but fantastic I think we're doing the right thing uh we're getting the you know the material onto the various sites making it accessible and obviously with the modern technology you know people are able to surf have a look at it and it you know it's kept up to date which is really nice it's it's a current mm, you know yeah a, li- so. a living work in progress sort yeah. of thing absolutely and i think that's so important is that yeah absolutely people can get access to all this cutting edge stuff that you guys are doing at sea yeah. that's fantastic yeah yeah and i think when we actually we're in the middle of a trip we'll put together a blog to uh get some yep. of that information get a feel for what we're actually doing when we're we're, we're away at sea and uh, and even try try to get images because again it's difficult for people to comprehend absolutely what it is like absolutely and, uh, this is it i think thing. there's that bit about the well the the, the term sea blindness comes mm-hmm. up quite regularly doesn't it when you speak about these things because it is it's it is difficult to comprehend if you can't if you can't see what's going on because yeah. it's just you know away in the distance yeah. so no i think that's yeah. images and videos are always a fantastic Definitely. thing that's for sure and i think we're fortunate i mean we take it for granted a lot of what we see but for instance you know i was close to st kilda in mm-hmm. uh, november and yep. actually getting to see st kilda 10 miles away it was actually stunning absolutely you know? and yeah. that's you know i take it for granted now because i see it quite a lot but yep. i think uh, you know that's where sometimes you have to sort of stop and think wow i'm you know how fortunate yeah absolutely absolutely and getting to explore all the different bits of scotland seas absolutely yeah Yeah, no that's 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 fantastic it sounds like you guys have a really good program of of engagement and Mm -hmm. it's great that you get students in as well i think that's yeah that's excellent leading leading the way for the next generation of fishery scientists and all that well i think the one of the striking things is we have uh we have children in for primary Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't believe the questions you get asked. They are some <laughs> of the most pertinent questions you could ever have. But you're getting these from nine-year-olds. Yeah. But they're so with it and so interested. Yeah, in absolutely. In terms of what we're doing. That, really, uh, really switched on. Yeah, so you really feel you've been put on the spot. Yeah, that's good. That's that's quite a good leveller, isn't it? Bring yeah. you bring you back to... <laughs> back to... Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so our next question is perhaps our meatiest and broadest question. And it's, how has your role broadened your understanding of the issues facing our seas? Uh, in, t- in terms of myself, my, my work has been very focused on fishing gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, uh, for many, many years, we've been involved actively in reducing un- unwanted bycatches mm-hmm. uh, and been very successful in it in Scotland. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, world leaders uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, Marine Scotland science, working alongside the Scottish fishing industry. And that, for me, was very telling going through that process through the 80s, mm-hmm. the 90s, into the 2000s. Uh, and obviously working with the different generations in terms of you, we are now dealing with grandsons. Yeah, you know, where absolutely. I started with the, you know, the grandfather at mm-hmm. sea. Uh, and I think it. You know, the knowledge is far ahead of what 
the understanding was when I started in the job. Uh, and, and I can only see that building as we go on into the future, partly because of modern technology, mm-hmm. things evolve, develop. Uh, but I think in terms of how nets work, function, how species alter their behavior. Yeah, You know, all absolutely. that knowledge has uh, fed into a lot of the work that uh, we're doing. Uh, and that's really interesting in terms of when I started in the job, I looked upon no difference a fish is a fish but actually for sure the, yeah you know they have totally different behaviors mm-hmm. and that was something of a you know really I find that really exciting how they do differ and then you're able to utilize that to develop new gears to obviously uh, not target a particular species mm. you know uh, and that's really been fascinating in that, terms of that is fascinating absolutely I think people will be surprised maybe to see to hear that I think mm. it is something that I think people do see fish as a, a big amalgamous yeah. <laughs> um, species and maybe not the sort of the nuances within that yeah that's really really interesting though are there sort of specific species that behave in specific ways that you can uh, identify or yeah I mean we obviously have things like uh, in the gadoid species which would be haddock whiting and mm. cod uh, you have different behaviors in terms of those three species, which you would view as being the same yeah. They're herding species, but actually they, they do behave differently. Mm. Uh, and whiting are probably one of the most uh, determined fish. Uh, they can be quite tenacious compared to haddock and, and cod. There you go. Uh, so that's, you know, one, one key difference. And the, and the other difference you find is with cod. I don't know whether it's because the, they're obviously a bigger fish, but they almost give the impression that they're not really frightened of anything and uh, they don't really care. <laughs> so they, their behavior, you know, they think they're the toughest fish in the sea, I think. And oh. uh, so they uh, do have a, a, a different behavior. You'll find with haddock and whiting, for instance, when they swim in front of a net, they'll go high when they okay. tire and fall back into a net, whereas cod will stay very low in a net. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and they don't do the same thing as they uh, fall back into a net. There you so go. again, you can start looking at that behaviors and then utilizing that in terms of uh you know designing uh features into a net to if you're targeting haddock and whiting you can design a feature in that you're not targeting cod for instance yeah absolutely and it sounds as though you need to have uh, strict measures for the rebellious cod yes (laughs) (laughs) who seem to test test you yeah there you go that's really interesting and i think i think what's really great to hear is that you you know you you have seen progress mm-hmm. in in your 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 work basically you know you've been doing it for quite a long time but yeah. that there's there's clearly been you know yeah. progress within that absolutely massive i mean you know it truly is a night and day in terms of mm-hmm. in terms of that and i think uh, that's really good going you know into the future uh and the, you know a, a really good relationship between you know the science and and industry in going forward uh so yeah massive progress that's excellent really really excellent um i wonder if there's can can you give us uh, an example of a project that you've worked on with the industry to reduce bycatch or some, mm-hmm. something along those lines that would be really really interesting i think for our listeners to hear yeah uh, and most recently we we've, we've been working closely with uh, a vessel called the amity uh, and the skipper is phil and that was to uh, separate prawns from fish. Mm. So it was a separator mm-hmm. troll. Mm-hmm. So it was basically a two-level troll. 
you divide it uh, with a uh, horizontal panel, and then you split the you you guide the fish into the into the top chamber, mm-hmm. the top cod mm-hmm. end, and the prawns go through into the bottom cod end. Oh, okay. So you keep the prawns separate from the fish. You can then have a different mesh size for the fish in the top chamber. So you're obviously uh, allowing the fish that you don't want to go out through the bigger mesh but it also maintains the quality of the catch mm-hmm. so the skipper is getting two things out of this he's getting uh he's doing his bit for conservation yeah but then obviously when his catch goes to market being a prone vessel uh they tend to get very poor prices for their fish catches mm. so in terms of this gear they're actually boosting their their fish catches so there's a an incentive for them yeah. to you know utilize that uh, particular gear i think that's really really excellent actually and it, benef- it benefits both sides yes. doesn't it yeah. absolutely i think that's probably key yeah and we're we're very aware of that that the you know not only are we wanting to have conserved stocks uh, for the future but we also understand that you know you need to uh maintain the viability of the fleet as well Absolutely, at the same time yeah. so that you know it goes hand in hand uh, and that's how we're we're not only focusing on the the sort of the the science the selectivity if you like but we also understand that there's other benefits that can come out of particular uh devices or designs of net absolutely you know? that makes a lot of sense and i think one of the things that it's, I think it comes back to that that point of taking videos and taking photos of your work because I think one thing that people might, some people might be surprised about is is the scale on which you work. You know, mm-hmm. the vessels that you work on are absolutely massive and these nets are huge. And I think that's something that people might be surprised by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it depends, uh, obviously, on the size of vessel. Mm-hmm. Because things are are scaled down to that, but yes, on a on a on a larger vessel, they are not necessarily having the net as big as they could have. Mm-hmm. You know that that wouldn't be good in terms of their profit to drag yeah. around a big net and burn fuel. So they have to consider that there's going to be times of the year when the the weather's poor, and they need to have a scale of net that they can still operate in poorer weather. They're not burning fuel unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're there's a scaling factor there which isn't mm. you know you look at a net and think wow that's huge but actually in this in the scheme of things it's not as big as it could be and yes. you're having to make those decisions in terms of a particular business model yeah. and, and it's no different from our research nets mm-hmm. when we're going out to sample the stocks there's no point in us having a massive net you know again we have to scale the net according to what we can toe and handle mm, mm-hmm. and the size of sample that we're 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 trying to uh, collect absolutely so, so again it's it it does appear quite a, a large thing but, but it could be bigger it could be bigger <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think that's it it's it's just it's a balancing act isn't mm. it that that's that's that seems to be absolutely the case um and i, I think i think that's that's really interesting actually it's just that trying to assess what what suits at the time basically yeah. but that, you know that's very very interesting um and i think you know what what's clear is that you know your your role specifically has clearly given you this this sort of two-sided appreciation of 
of how the seas operate and mm-hmm. the businesses that go on in the seas and all that sort of thing. So I think that's really, really very interesting. Um, our next question is a bit of a wild card question, but seeing as you've worked with the seas for the last 30 odd years, I, I think you'll probably have thoughts on this that uh, that others might might not. So um, if you could tell someone something they might not know about our seas, what would it be? Well, I've got two things for you. Okay, that's okay. a bonus one, yeah. Uh, we have around 19,000 kilometres of coastline, wow. which is 8% of Europe's coastline around Scotland. <gasps> wow. Uh, and we are quite literally surrounded by the sea. Now, I knew we would, but I didn't know that until I... That is a, that's a vast number, that's isn't it? a vast it? number. And you can understand why the sea is so important to Scotland. Absolutely. From that fact. The other fact I was... Uh, uh, I had was although about twenty percent of Scots live within one kilometer of the sea, you'll never be more than sixty-five kilometers from the coast wherever you are in Scotland. Wow! Yeah, those those are. I think sometimes when you put a number to something, it really brings it home, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that's that's definitely the case. I grew up around the coast, and I guess the sea is kind of it's 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 always been there. Um, for me but interestingly speaking to people who yeah live down south or you know live in a landlocked mm-hmm. European country you know it's it, it there there just isn't this sort of omnipresence of the sea and yeah. maybe it's not as big a feature in, in your life but I think yeah. most people in Scotland probably do feel in some way connected to the sea yeah I would think I think they do I think it is in, in us yeah in Scotland that we have that you know you you like to see the sea yeah, <laughs> you know, you don't want to go for too long without seeing yeah, the sea, absolutely. and the fact that you know we don't live that far, and we're we appreciated in marine Scotland science because we do travel to different ports for sure, uh, and for us going you know to the Shetlands, the Orkneys, uh, across to the west coast, you realise you go from Aberdeen and you'll be in Malig in not that long, yeah. uh, and you've travelled east to west, so it does put it into con- context absolutely it, de- it definitely does and I think in Scotland as well there's probably I think lots of people are connected to the fishing industry in some ways because it was such a massive part of Scottish life um but also you know we we, we use the sea for leisure in Scotland as well don't we mm-hmm. quite quite a lot so no absolutely that's very interesting facts thank you for for bringing those with you today if you were to uh, give the listeners to this podcast some advice uh, about how they can maybe play their part um, in the next 50 years of our sea, what, what would you suggest that they could do? I, th- I think the, it, it's really just get the information, mm. go out there. Uh, when, when they visit places like Anstruther, for instance, come to the museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, go on to Marine Scotland websites. Uh, all the information is there and it, it really helps them understand what the sea's about mm-hmm. and uh, it, it should it'll make give them an appreciation of how important the sea is to Scotland yeah I think absolutely. that's the, the key thing just to immerse yourself get all the information and then draw your own conclusions from that yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. and I think it does give you a, a sense of ownership of the sea Absolutely. Which we need to have. We, because the sea belongs to us, doesn't it? It does. It That's, belongs to every person yeah, in Scotland. Absolutely. You know, they have a share in that sea. So uh, find out more information. And 
and I think the the younger generations are become more informed uh, because the information is getting getting out there. And Absolutely. I think through school programs, they're already leaving school with a with a far better understanding than I had when I left school. Yeah. None of this was ever. I didn't even know the Marine Lab existed when I left yeah, school. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, the the whole understanding is far better. Yeah. And, and that will only improve as technology gets better. This is this is the truth, absolutely. And I think that's something that I've noticed about my role here at the Fisheries Museum is that um, there's been much more of a shift towards schools wanting sessions about sustainability Mm -hmm. and sustainable fishing and the environmental impact of different things on the seas rather than your sort of traditional history lesson which Mm -hmm. I think shows that that's it's just such a big part of of the agenda in Scotland we just want people to be aware and to Mm -hmm. feel as though you know they have their their part to play in it absolutely yeah yeah no that's fantastic so our last question is perhaps the most challenging one but i would just love to hear your thoughts there's no i presume there's no right or wrong answer i'm sure everyone will answer this slightly differently and it is where do you see the seas in 50 years time it's a massive question (laughs) and i wish i had a crystal ball (laughs) Uh, i think from my own discipline uh gear technology We'll 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 continue to develop. Mm. Things will develop. Uh, knowledge will uh, increase. Technology will help us in terms of the knowledge and understanding. Uh, one thing I found is that every week I learn something new. Mm. And even though I've been doing the job for thirty three years, I think the fact is it's not something you can sit back and say I know it all. Yeah, I think absolutely. That's the key thing. And and as uh, we discover more about the undersea environment, that broadens our, our knowledge and, and understanding and, and there's so much we, we have to still have to learn I think mm. they know more about the moon than they do the deepest depths of the sea yeah no isn't that isn't that mad it's and I and I I believe that you know technology advances and it, it'll help us uh, you know understand more about the sea how it functions mm-hmm. uh, tides uh, in the deeper sea for instance things like that we're developing technology to be able to to monitor these things mm-hmm. uh better f- cameras to understand fish behavior uh being able to uh have real-time cameras that we can view what's going on in terms of the fish and how they're reacting to nets for instance and technologies will change net technologies will change uh potentially will we have biodegradable nets in the future mm-hmm. so a net only has uh a finite lifespan yep. in, in a sense so there's all these uh quite exciting in terms of uh the from my perspective gear technology absolutely uh, i think there'll be a lot more uh in the future in terms of that that sounds very very interesting actually i think that's the thing is that you know you can't you can't predict these things because the sea itself isn't a static yeah. thing you know it's it's gonna constantly evolve and change um and i guess all all that from the from the gear technology side of thing it's just about adapting to that isn't it mm-hmm. and and working out what works best at that yeah. moment in time yeah well we don't know in terms of the future what what it means i mean we we're obviously in terms of uh reducing the carbon footprint for mm-hmm. instance uh vessels will change uh the the actual powering of the vessels will will change mm-hmm. And it's quite an exciting time because technologies are coming on for that now, mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of electric vehicles. 
that has taken leaps and bounds uh, forward. And we don't really have a clear picture at the moment how things like vessels will change uh, mm-hmm. in terms of that. But obviously people are developing those technologies now. They're developing uh, fuel efficiency savings for, for vessels at the moment uh, and, and cleaner uh, systems that the mm-hmm. boats use again exciting times uh, in terms of those new technologies absolutely it sounds like there's it, it, there's a lot changes in such a short space of time isn't it that's yeah. the case and i'm sure that you've yeah like you say you're working with grandsons of people that you worked with and i'm sure there's there's a lot of change has happened in yeah. that time so yeah. yes it's 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 silly of me to ask the question really <laughs> isn't it we can o- we can only guess but um yeah no that's been absolutely fantastic um thank you so much for speaking to me today rob thank you for um, me. and it's yeah i'm sure our listeners will be fascinated to hear your thoughts so thank you very much Thanks for listening to Sea Change, the Scottish Fisheries Museum podcast series that accompanies our exhibition of the same name, running from the 24th of January to the 21st of June 2020. Join us next time when we'll be speaking to Moya Crawford.